Yeah, this, I mean, this is when we're into some 2003-ass kind of sounding music here. Uh, you know, I know I said that a lot of this sounds like it could have come out today, and, I, you know, a lot of it does. And honestly, I guess this song still does sound like that because 2003 kind of sounds have come, you know, back around. But it walks this line between, you know, classical John, uh, viola, you know, beautiful kind of uh, uh, pop classical kind of sound, and then this just, like, trudging ugly, like heavy, you know, power chord, uh, uh, new metal kind of guitar sound as well. Uh, and then even like a little bit of like, you know, bond theme guitar work. It's, uh, there's a lot going on here, which I think is fun. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily as, I know there's not as much distance between this and stuff from the nineties, for instance, which makes this, I think, harder to appreciate at this moment in time. Um, but if you can, if you can put yourself a few years into the future, uh, I think this might, you know, you might have a little bit more perspective on what he was doing. Well, it's it makes me think about what 2003 was like, I guess. Because I, I don't know, sometimes I think about 2003, and I've probably said this before, but like, I do think about that period, like 2000 to 2003, as being kind of probably the last time that things that were conceived of pre 9-11 were being released still like mm. i imagine a lot of you know big records and movies like that came out maybe in 2003 that were supposed to come out maybe even in like in december 2001 that were held over or like things that were started and then finished later but uh, this does feel like like with that that kind of thing sometimes you get a glimpse of where culture was headed before 9-11 and like the sort of ambitions artists and uh, of varying kinds had. Um, and that, I think Cosmopolitan is kind of like the general, uh, a really strong quality of a lot of art uh, pre, like in that right before 9-11 period, like a lot of artists trying to seem sleek and complex at the same time and kind of like, there being this, um, I guess, more of a, a a feeling of like an expectation of like glossy complexity being something that people wanted to deal with and get into. And um, I don't know, maybe this that's all very vague, but I think that this is a good example of that. Like the, the cultural, the critical response to the record seems to really glom onto and enjoy that aspect of it like it's so deep and interesting and it sounds so cool um whereas like maybe later people just didn't want to deal with something so like busy very strange time in music uh 2003 i was just uh surfing the old pitchfork uh you know top uh top records 2003 list you got you got the first rapture record you got the second Strokes record. You got Hail to the Thief from Radiohead. You got the first Animal Collective record. You got the first uh, TV on the radio record. Yeah, yeah, got, yes. Uh, yeah, Fever to Tell. Right. It's it's very much like a like uh, the dawn of this new kind of scene um, or movement. I think that's going to take you through and kind of evolve seamlessly into like the heights of you know 2009, 10 indie culture, and then obviously wash away and recede in the years that follow. The postal John, service. Postal Service, yeah, exactly, um, and uh, transatlanticism too, yeah, because uh, De- Ben gabbard has been doing that like joint twentieth anniversary tour for both those records, probably making one hundred million dollars. <laughs> um, the darkness, 
the darkness. Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't know if that point the I second. made like really holds water, but it, I don't know. Maybe. Do, I mean, I think feel, John. You know, John is just like he's a man unstuck from time at this moment. Like he doesn't fit into any sort of uh, uh, scene or movement or or uh, uh, cultural current that's on vogue. He's just doing John stuff. But there's um, a space for him to do that. That feels yeah, a little bit more forgiving than I think other times. Like. Yeah, I mean, I think that this was definitely like I mean the Lou sh- the stuff that Lou was doing at this time was really not very fondly looked at and you know I, chris gal loved ecstasy and, and a couple people dug it but you know it was not certainly not a hit uh and and didn't really get him anywhere where he wanted to be commercially speaking and the raven was loathed like absolutely just hated at the time um probably still is hated by many people um john doesn't have that same kind of uh uh you know um negative opinion uh, on him, yeah. Pitchfork gave him the old six point five, so it was just like a shrug. On this, on on uh, Hobo Sapiens, yeah. Reality, do you know that the David Bowie record? Yeah, yeah. That that like the I guess cover, when I th- I love yeah. the cover of Reality. <laughs> when I think about like, I, I think that's sort of what I'm thinking about. You know, like the, this record even sounds kind of like Reality, like that kind of. Um, there's a complexity, but also like this kind of collage quality of like really cutting edge effects, and then kind of uh, I'm still cool. I'm I'm gonna throw them together. It's throwing everything at the wall, but like trying to seem sleek at the same time. Yeah, I mean, Maximalism. these guys these guys are five or ten years behind where Bob was at, right? Um, and because uh, Bob started early '60s, and Bowie and and John and Lou, you know, obviously kind of start late '60s. Um, so you could call it six, seven years. So like, where was where was Bob six or seven years before this? He was in that like kind of weird, you know, post folk covers records, uh, you know, shaggy jam band, never ending tour era leading up to Time Out of Mind. Uh, you know, just kind of this like uh, liminal stage in his growth as an artist. I feel like that's where all of these guys are at too. Uh, and I think the records are great, but it's um, it's just kind of a weird drifting uh, um, ambient arbitrary kind of moment in time for, for artists like this. 